If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. And so, like, once we understood the way the show was received and we had a sense that it, we were doing okay and that it was probably going to return like we had a bit more confidence at the end of season two and season three and that kind of thing but we were just in such a darkness so to speak I know in that first season I know yeah. my name is Anna Silk for six seasons I played Bo on the hit tv series Lost Girl I am so happy you are here for the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast to take a trip down memory lane with me, the amazing cast, and some very special guests. I'm so glad to finally be able to say the family is back together again. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. This is it, you guys. This is episode 13 in season one. I'm going to bring my co-host in right away because who can wait any longer for Miss Zoe Palmer. Thank you again for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be back. I know. It's it's thrilling to have you. And I have to say- Oh my God, so much thrill. So it's it's only thrill. It's all thrill thrill all day. Period. That's it. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about episode 13 Yeah, from season one, Yeah, which was titled Bloodlines. It was written by Michelle Lavretta and directed by Rob Lieberman. And yeah. both gr- good people. Very good, good people. people. Yeah. Um, what were your first impressions watching? How did you feel? Um, it was crazy because there was, uh, it was like, a, a lot of uh, a lot of healing in different ways. <laughs> you, yes, yes, that's true. There was a lot of healing. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, where it left off at the end of twelve is when Saskia, she's still known as Saskia to Bo at this point, comes in and, yeah. and like takes over Dyson in the cop shop, and then Bo yeah. comes in, breathes Chi back into him for the first how time. How you do? How, how I do? Which was like looked like this, <sighs> just me yeah. breathing in Chris's face. But it brought him back to life, and that's so. So yes, there's healing, a lot of healing at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, and then of course a lot of uh, discovery for your character. I, I know. I, I feel like 
So, okay. I didn't remember anything about this episode. I mean, I remembered roughly what happened, but watching it, I just loved yeah. the intensity of it and the pace. Yeah. Cause like in the very beginning, as soon as Dyson says, she's your mom, there's like this urgent pace yeah. through the whole thing for everybody. Yeah. Um, which was really exciting to watch. Yeah. I remember uh, it's so funny. Cause you know, you forget about the scenes you shoot until you watch them and, and uh, the scene where they, they rush the ash in and I launch myself on top of him. Yeah, that's my favorite thing in the and, episode. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, in the world that we're in, that made total sense. But, like, if you were at the hospital and a doctor flung themselves on top of the moving gurney to do uh, compression, chest compressions, <laughs> you might wonder about their uh, abilities. You might, or, or you would just envy their commitment. Yes. Yes. Because I have to say like, that was my favorite, like visual of the episode. Yeah. To see Lauren straddling the ash. It's, yeah. It showed, it just showed, well, your athletic athleticism. Sure. We, we all know. Yeah. And love. I mean, I really just wanted to get that in there somewhere. Yeah. You were like, Bo can't straddle everybody. I yeah. have to. It's my well. Why not the ash? Yeah. Um, no, but it was cool. It was cool to see that it visual cool. of Lauren's intent. Like I loved, I loved all the stuff in the lab. Because I loved that uh, lab, that set. Yes, I know. That lab was, uh, I think just season one, was it not? It may have gone into season two. That lab was huge. It was huge. And it was just the, um, what I love so much about it is the contrast between that set and every other uh, set on the show was uh, was often so dark and so dim and so kind of moody yeah. and sexy in lots of ways, right? Like mm -hmm. that was the vibe of the show was the kind of dark, moody, sexy vibe. And then you've got this really clean, white clinical set uh, of the of the yeah. lab, the, the hospital lab, if you will. And I I really loved the the play between those two kind of worlds, you know? Yeah. You know what? You're right. I don't remember when that lab disappeared. And then what did they give you? Like a, a tray with some, it was like <laughs> with some beakers on it? Like what it happened after a, that to Lauren? A gurney with all the accoutrement. Yeah. Um, no, it was, there was another lab. It was totally different. Uh, I think there was three in total by the time the show had its five-year, whatever, six-year run. Like, I think there ended up being, there was an there evolution. There was a lot of internal restructuring at the, in the Yeah, phase. I think I was doing like, science in my bathroom by the end. Yeah. But <laughs> With a kit that you ordered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, from Amazon. <laughs> that lab, I actually remembered when you bring that lab up that we used to, like, between takes, I remember we would look in, like, your little fridges in that lab or, like, the, there'd be, like, little yeah. things growing. Yeah, they had made jars at, with yeah. all sorts of stuff. There was mushroom fungus in some jars yeah. and there was like bits of styrofoam that they had turned into things. There was like Skittles. It was... <laughs> Skittles. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think there was some Skittles. There were some Skittles. Yeah. Um, but you know what was great about that lab? Like to film that sequence of like the yeah. ash rushing in on a gurney, like to be able to have that kind of like... So I mean, we had the move. roof. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much room. I, yeah. I didn't even think about that, but but I just thought about how much I loved watching everything in that lab in this episode. Well, the um, thing that was uh, interesting little tidbit about that lab was the floor. Was oh, um, it had little holes? Yeah, and I always had little heels. 
that would go into the little holes. And then at that some was a point, smart choice. That was- every episode, I would get stuck in a hole in the floor. Yeah. And, and oddly, and this is a complete departure, but I'm going to throw it in as trivia. Um, when uh, the show that I did afterwards, Dark Matter, was shot in that exact same studio. Mm-hmm. And that floor was used the entire set. <laughs> of did your character the- wear heels? Yeah, but they were thick, her they heels. Thick. So I never you were like, got I, lost. You were wise to it. But I saw point. that floor and went, <laughs> <laughs> I anyway. remember I came to tour the Dark Matter set. Did you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just so cool to walk through I know. the whole space where Lost Girl stuff was set up and have it, it be was a so bizarre Because it was yeah, like months, you know, yeah. like where we wrapped Lost Girl and that studio got, and, and so it was very, very surreal. It anyway, been, for you, complete departure, been totally but the floor uh, kept, the floor. was a through line. Yeah. The floor was a through line. Yeah. Um, I loved, well, first of all, everyone was so good in this episode. I feel like everyone, oh, uh, everyone Inga. was just so good. Inga, that's who I have here. She, I mean, first of all, that headbutt was vicious. Yeah. Um, actually, in watching the episode, I, I took a little screenshot of it and sent it to her, like a little video, because I was like, man, it, she was so, the thing about Inga, I mean, she's gorgeous and sexy and all of those things, of course, but um, she really gave Aoife a sense of being mentally ill. Yep. Like it wasn't just, I'm bad. She's a beautiful actor, Inga Kadrinal. She is. Lovely actor. She really is. Yeah. I mean, she, cause you know, I think when you are as beautiful as she is and, and, and then playing like bad, it mm-hmm. would be very easy to just do it on a surface level and it would still be great. But Inga never did that. Like no. she, she gave Saskia this sense of like, you felt sad. Yeah. Her. You know? Well, it was a slightly unhinged sort of vibe that was with her all the time. Yes. Like she always seemed just, just this side of, okay. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was a little unhinged. Um, yeah. And then she'd say things it. to Bo in this episode that would kind of break your heart. I mean, it yeah. was meant to break Bo's. Yes. And it did. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things that really struck me in this episode too, was how like you see everyone, how much they love Bo and how much they're trying to protect her. And she's still really believing and hopeful in her mother. Sure. You know, it, it made mean, me, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be, I mean, you know, but yeah, um, the, mo- the mother, the mother wound, right? Like the mother wound. I know. I know. And in real life, I mean, Inga, Inga's actually a couple years younger than me, I think, but that's, that was the beauty of the Faye world is that she it could didn't be matter. My, she could be my mom. Yeah. You know, I actually believed us as mother and daughter. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. I know. I know. The mother wound. Ugh. The mother wound. Um, yeah. And I mean, what a great thing for them to explore with your character, the writers, because, um, you know, could it be any more relatable? And so here we are in this world that is larger than life and full fantasy. And you've got a mom who is essentially looks the same age as you. And we go there. Um, but the, the sort of universal story is that of the the mother child sort of dynamic, right. That we can all connect to. And that's what I loved. Yes. And I loved, like, I just loved how, you know, Bo was so angry at Dyson. Bo was angry at trick. She wanted answers. And, was starting to push at the people that have loved her the most ever mm. in her life to try to get that answer, you know, because yeah. that, that is so, that is what you're saying. It's 
it's universal. We want, we kind of push into the people that we love the most to- Who won't, who won't leave. Who won't leave. I know, Bo. Oh, and for everyone listening, like you have to remember, we didn't, we had not had an audience at this point. No. Right? In this point of the storytelling, which was the end of our season, we didn't know if we were coming back. No. We didn't know. No. We knew we were telling the end of this story for this season. We knew that Michelle and everyone in that room had created this beautiful arc for everybody. And we were launching into the possibility of more storytelling, but we didn't know if we were coming back. Yeah. Right? We didn't know anything. We didn't know, know anything. We no one had seen it. No. We hadn't seen it. No. We just, we knew that it mattered. And we just, I don't know. It was really interesting to to watch. Um, it was a cool time in that way because uh, you don't get to go back to that, right? Like once that that first season was the only time. So I don't know what just fell. <laughs> Stand by, everybody. I'm sure Stand it's by. fine. Something has fallen. It's fine. Everything's fine. It was something in a closet. Okay. That's a bit odd. We'll have to investigate that. Um, <laughs> well, I think I have something hanging on a hook in a closet and the, the, the thing fell off the hook. Okay. And I nearly had a heart attack on air, but it's fine. <laughs> My heart's intact. It's ticking away. I think everything's okay. Um, I have literally no idea what we're talking about. Oh, yes, I do. So, uh, yeah, you don't get to go backwards, right? So we didn't know what we didn't know in that right. first season. Yeah. And so, like, once we understood the way the show was received and we had a sense that it, we were doing okay and that it was probably going to return, like, we had a bit more confidence at the end of season two and season three and that kind of thing. But we were just in such a darkness, so to speak, in that first season. I know. Yeah. And there's something very, very special about a... um a new, fresh. <laughs> Sorry, still, laughing still laughing at me. I, th- I mean, personally, I think you probably have to clean your closet. I mean, that's <laughs> what comes to mind because I've been doing this massive clean in my house, um, and so I, I just think you her clean closet, your closet. Her closet. <laughs> I have been. Have you ever read the life changing magic of tidying up? It came out like a decade ago. I'm very behind, and that's all I've I been doing. I just want you to know that this right now that you guys are all watching is exactly the types of conversations that we were having. <laughs> I know, I know. She'd and then they like, call. Okay, listen. I have a listen. book for you. <laughs> for my I I'm going to give it to you at lunch, and it's I about the life changing uh, thing of, of cleaning your own closet out. <laughs> Anasilk.com. And then they'd call action, and then we yeah. would be like, "Whoa." You know, hey, so is it is it specifically you got to clean out a closet or is just any oh cleaning? Oh, I'm very clean. Zoe, I you actually Zoe is very clean. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you when I think Zoe Palmer, I think clean. It's literally the next so first thing I think clean. Um, with a slightly messy closet, but anyway, um, <laughs> yes, beginner's mentality. You know when I don't know if this happens to you. <laughs> this is derailed. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. If this have if if young actors come to you for advice, mm. um, one of the things I always say to them is like, where you are right now, you c- you'll never be here again. Like you might not have the uh, hours logged <laughs> on set, yeah, <laughs> but you have. Okay, Zoe and I can't stop laughing. No, this it's okay. definitely happened on set. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot of laughing. But there is something beautiful, yeah, about being new and not knowing. 
You know, yep. it, it, you can't, you're right. You can't go back there. No, you um, don't get to go backwards, right? You don't get to do yeah. redo. So I look back on that sometimes and I'm almost envious is strong, but I, I certainly, um, I have that special place in my heart for the, the time when we were all together and none of us knew. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. There's something like no one about had that. seen it. No one had. Yeah. We were just doing our thing and going, Oh, hopefully it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, best memories from filming this episode. Does anything specific come to mind? Um, trying to remember. I mean, this, that scene in the, in the lab was pretty large and in charge. It was. I have a whole, like I have a thing with the ash and then you come in and then you and I have a whole conversation and I gave you a rock (laughs) and a kiss. Well, it's not a rock. It look, I say, take this key, but it's a rock. (laughs) (laughs) And I, (laughs) even this time around, (laughs) (laughs) when I gave it to you in the scene, I was like, okay. That's the key. So I give you the key. But when I was watching it, I was like, that's a rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't I know what door and, that goes in. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but then, and then we have a big kit. I go, just be safe or come back alive or don't die or something really special to you before you go off and do yes. your, do your magical thing. Put that rock somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that scene feeling very kind of harried because there was a lot of, you know, like Hale comes in and Kenzie's there and I'm, the Ash is on life support or whatever. And like, I'm giving you rock keys and we're kissing. And it's like, I do, I'm I, covered in weapons. And yes. yeah, there was, a, there was, um, yeah, there was no rock unturned, so to speak, in that, in that scene. But I have to tell people listening in that scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zoe, you, you had to deliver a lot of stuff to me. Yeah. Right. You always did that so well. Like, I think I took it for granted at the time. Like, okay, Zoe's going to say all that stuff that we need to hear. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was more interested than that. But um, <laughs> here she goes again. You just could rattle it off in a yeah. way that felt so seamless. Yeah. And it was never stilted. I'm not just talking about knowing the lines, I'm just talking about right. there was a seamlessness with you as Lauren, just in that I was lab. really excited about this role because I'd never played, you know, as an actor, you always imagine like, there's always the standard things like, how would I play a prosecuting lawyer? Or how would I play yeah. a, you know, like the, the kind of one we're daydreaming about different roles that would be fun to try. And I had always wanted to play a doctor, you know, and I yeah. would watch these shows where they would be like going down the hallway and spouting off all of the things that they need to do to stop the bleeding and whatever, you know? Yeah. And so There's I was something kind of uh, like, excited about it. Yeah. And the pressure, like everyone's under the same pressure. Yeah. That's what it makes helps. It, exciting. it so helps yeah. in a scene because yeah. uh, you have built in states, right? Totally. I mean, like that's the, the freebie for an actor. Like you have to find the stakes in some scenes that aren't where they're not really obvious, right? You've got to sort of yeah. find them because otherwise the scene falls flat. Um, and in a scene where you're saving someone's life or, you know, you're going off to war or whatever you're doing and I'm kissing you goodbye. And like this, the stakes are just right there for you. You right. get to, you get to play the urgency. Um, yeah. And you so don't even it, really have to play it. It's there, right. right? It's, it's just, all there. Just, it's infused and you yeah. just have to be present and open and, you know. Yeah. And there's a, yeah. even a, an extra sharpness in the crew uh, during that stuff. Cause they know that there's so many moving parts and that they have to be Oh, it's so like, that's the thing that, 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 that unfortunately the audience doesn't see the artistry 
going on to capture these scenes is extraordinary. Like we're watching camera departments walking backwards and jumping over each other and, you know, trying yeah. to like, guiding they're doing, each other they're and- doing magical things yeah. just to capture the moment. Um, you know, it is kind of extraordinary to, to, from our perspective to watch them do that sometimes it is for me anyway. It is. I know you too. totally don't care, but I really, yeah, do. I couldn't care less. I mean, whoever, yeah. who, Somebody shot us. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there were some camera people there. I think no. I suppose. Yes. No. I was in awe of of every department, frankly. But I know. Um, what was the most difficult or challenging part? I mean, you you were really in the lab. Yeah. I mean, Um, it was it was that scene as well. I think you know, like it was it was a challenging scene to shoot. I remember, you know, we did it in pieces as well. You know, and we did it a lot of times. Yeah. I jumped on him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Clay and I got to know each other that day. (laughs) Quite a bit. Man, I love Clay. I know, he's great. He was so great. I I love the scene between him actually and Trick in this episode. Yeah. I love that they were outside. That was kind of Mm -hmm. interesting to see them outside really brightly lit, you know, uh, because that wasn't what we were used to seeing. Right. Um, uh, That struck me. I, I think the most challenging part for me was um, eating the cookie because, and you're going to know why, because at that time in my life, I, everything had to be gluten-free. I was very hot and at cold. At that time gluten-free. in your life? Yeah. Now I'm hot and cold with everything. Are now you? I, I am. So now if we did the ice cream scene, you would just have ice cream? You have actual ice cream. I'm sorry, sorry. Zoe. <laughs> and that cookie, I remember you and I eating pizza in a scene and it was gluten-free. <laughs> I just remember looking over at you and you were like, Arr. Because it's like, you got to really chew. (laughs) Anyway, the cookie Inga gave me was gluten-free and I started eating it. Bo eats three times in this episode. And one of them is that cookie. And it was so dry and there was so much of it. Like the more I chewed, the more it grew. That was was a challenge. I think you should just never say that sentence ever again. (laughs) Probably. You know what? I think it actually should go into the clip as the teaser for this episode. Yeah. yeah. If you ever write your own book, just. Yeah. It's actually, that's the title of my book. My memoir. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. The more, the more I, um, I know that I ate a lot of things I never would have eaten were it not for you. I know. And yeah. I really love you for that. Yeah. And I also apologize. Well, gluten-free pizza shouldn't be a thing. I know. Yeah. I just think if you're gluten-free and, and, and a lot just of don't people eat pizza. Are, just don't bother. Yeah. It's not pizza. No. What else could you put it on, though? I mean, really, what could you what, put on? What? Sauce and – well, it's the, the cheese is a problem, isn't it? Is it? No. No, the cheese is in the crust. It's just the bread, right. It's just the bread. Um, yeah, you could put cheese and sauce on just about anything. Like what? I guess vegetables. Well, anything that wouldn't absorb it. <laughs> that could be anything. Like a Zoe. cucumber. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. challenging part eating the cookie because and i and i just remembered how much i tortured you by making you eat so many different things yeah um, the ice cream was by far the worst because i didn't know the worst. until i licked it wait did i eat the ice cream i don't I, even think i ate the ice cream in that scene you're talking about the car wash scene right yeah that was season 4 yeah i know we'll get there but but that was the it's i'm still not over it 
Oh my gosh. Because I was so excited too. To eat the ice cream. I was like, oh, we're going to get to eat ice cream. And of course, when you shoot a scene, you shoot it a million times. We were going to be eating ice cream for hours, I thought. And we did eat it for hours and hours. But it was, it was, it was was styrofoam and some other thing. I don't know what that was. Some melty thing that kind of turned to water. I remember. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, you didn't eat it because you were washing a car. It was me and who? Dyson. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was mostly you. Anyway, in eating, watching me eat that cookie, I remembered how dry it was. And then I started to remember all the other things that I made you eat over every season of Lost Girl. You should just do it like a montage. I think I need to, (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to take you out for a long dinner. We eat everything that you want. A palate cleanser. Yes. Of just a bowl of gluten and. (laughs) And dairy. Yeah. Just a, a, yeah, I think that's what we should do. What we should do. Um, the last scene. Yeah. Between Kenzie and I, I got yeah. very emotional watching that because first of all, I, re- we, okay. It was the last scene we filmed. Um, they tend to do that when filming, right? They, your last scene in the show or the season, you tend to film last on the last day of filming. Well, they um, did on Lost Girl, which was lovely. It's lovely. It's, and they really do that for us. I mean, I yeah. think. Um, because, because they're not going to be like, you know, film this beautiful scene. And then the next day have like inserts of Bo's hands and then they like, okay, we're wrapped for the season. Like it's, you know, it just doesn't have, well, they certainly did that on the very last scene of this entire show. Oh, the entire show. Yes. And that was really cool. It was so cool, but they did it in this season too, because I remember the last day of filming last scene, I remember holding that amulet and, you know, I kind of had to hold it up and then like stare off to the side which feels very unnatural, but it looks great on camera. You get the visual of what the story you're trying to tell. But I remember like watching it yesterday when I watched this episode, my heart yeah. started beating because I remember it beating so fast. And I just, I love Bo's whole monologue. And then, you know, she's saying, um, talking about Trick and saying, you know, I thought he was one of the good, good guys. And it cuts to Trick literally bleeding for her. Yeah. You know? And then Dyson, who has now the Norn. We haven't even talked about the Norn. Which we have oh to talk my about god! Yes, that's Kate huge. Trotter, yeah. who was honestly, I have thought about her over the years in that role because she was so like you believed she sat in that chair for a hundred years or whatever. You know, <laughs> maybe that's not a very flattering thing to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. See, this is what happens, guys, with Zoe and I. Is that one of us, usually me, says something like that. And then Zoe yeah. very quickly <laughs> points out with a quick look how ridiculous. What, what I was just so said was, special about her was that you really never lost sight of that she just sat there for 100 years. years. When I think Kate Trotter, I think she sits for 100 years. No, she was phenomenal. And she was was so good. And I loved, like, I loved her. I loved Dyson in that scene, you know, him going to her and her really realizing what she could take from him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in in Bo's monologue, you see him wolfing out in the woods. Um, (laughs) Yes. She's still, you know, Bo is like, it was just such a great ending, you know? Yeah. Uh, It was such a great, strong ending to such a beautiful season. Um, it really was. Out, do you see this tree behind me? I mean, I see a tree. Right so yeah. for everyone watching, there's yeah. a tree. This tree goes through my house. Do you mean like 
it goes through my house. Yes. Like the Norn, um, except it's not in my living room. I don't have a chair beside it, but it actually goes through our bottom deck and top deck. And we have our house built, like the deck is built around this tree. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Does it come inside of the interior? No, it's the, the outdoor deck spaces. Got it. Um, so basically I'm the Norn. What yes. I no, I mean, I, I think we all knew that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big reveal here. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, it's come Finally. out all these years later. Um, yes, that's right. So the, that, that was, uh, I mean, obviously in terms of plot points, massive. Huge. Yeah. And I, you know what? I had forgotten it happened since season one. I don't know why it wasn't until I started watching. I was like, Oh my God, Dyson goes to the Norn. He's going to go to the Norn. And yeah. like, it's, I just thought, you know, it was such good storytelling, this whole yeah. episode. The house that Inga and I filmed in, by the way, which you did not film in. No. Um, when 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 Bo goes to find her mother, she's surrounded by all those shirtless men. That's right. Who who basically are, you know, the way it really works is that there's a bunch of shirtless men standing around the craft service table drinking coffee and chatting while shirtless. And yeah. then I come in, I'm like, hey, shirtless guys. And then we do a scene and then they, That's they right. leave. And they were That's lovely right. and and made good choices at the I just hope they found shirts since then. And, and I hope so too, because they'd be chilly. Well, it's December. It's December. I mean, you're in LA. You're fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm only putting a shirt on right now for this podcast. I'm shirtless. 99% of the time. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Totally. I get a lot of looks. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, no. So that house, though, was a single dwelling. Like, people lived there. Right. And it was like a, a labyrinth, that house. It was right. like, it was one room after the next, after the next. There was some quirks about that house. There was a lot of mannequins in it. So it was not a set of any kind. It was a house. No, it right. was someone's home. Right. A lot of mannequins and a lot of birds. I'm just, that's, that's, it was interesting. It's interesting because, because we put up, well, I don't, and probably you don't, but people do. <laughs> Build the sets. But no, put up scarecrows to scare birds away. Oh. 
And no, I would the, bird, think, the birds were caged birds that oh, lived there. Oh, I thought you, I was yes. imagining just mannequins everywhere with birds on them. <laughs> no, no, mannequins were separate than the birds. Okay, it it was a very eccentric home. Sure, uh, it was like a fairy tale. It was like a fairy tale home. It was well, really then it was interesting perfect for our it show. Was, it was perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. And the couple were so lovely. I met them that day. Um, they were so generous to let us film there because it were they wearing incredible. their shirts? They had shirts on. Oh, good. Um, uh, no pants, yeah, but shirts. You know, yeah. no, they had pants on. This poor couple might listen to this. I'll be like, oh, They're like we were um, wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty sure we were wearing pants. Um, yeah, I, I just was so excited to watch this episode. It was and, great. It was really full. It was so full. It didn't stop. Yeah. It just didn't stop. And I forgot yeah. how exciting an end it was. And I, yeah. this whole season, of course, I've watched every episode this season and yeah. it has been really special uh, yeah, yeah. for me to do that and to talk to each cast member um, and have so many great memories. People are loving listening to this. Oh, it's so um, cool to do it. It's so it's fun. so cool to do it. Yeah, and it's like close enough that we can. St- I can still really connect to it, but it's been a lo- enough time that it's just really fun to look back on it now too. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then next time we do this, the rewatch, rewatch, we'll come. You come here. We'll sit by this tree for a hundred years. Yes. Yeah. And then we'll do another rewatch without our shirts on. Without our shirts on. Yeah. And then we'll do that rewatch shirtless. Yeah. yeah. And um, rewatch squared. Rewatch squared. Okay. Um. I think that's it. I think we've okay. touched all the, the, the things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, well, I'm sorry. um, I and love you, Zoe. I, I love, love you. you. I love Bo and Lauren. I love, I can't wait to see where this goes in season two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because I kind of can't remember how it all unfolds. I do remember us getting back together and breaking up a lot at some point in this, this, uh, yeah, series, there was a lot of breakups. There was a lot of breakups. Yeah. Um, but um, I thank I'm, you for being here with me. I'm sorry. I nearly had an on air heart attack. Uh, I'm sure. Okay. It's, I'm going to send you the life changing magic of tidying up because even though you're clean, there's something that's not tidy in that closet. I'm telling well, you. Well, there now. is now. <laughs> that's, it just had to, it had to go. Wow. Um, Goodbye. Uh, you. Thank you everyone for listening. Yeah. This is the end of our first season of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. We began and ended with the lovely Miss Zoe Palmer. We are very blessed and we will see you soon yeah, we in the future. Mwah. Love you. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to today's Spotlight. And boy, do we have a very special guest today. I cannot think of a better person. Oh no, here comes the tears, guys. Already, already. Okay. I cannot think of a better person to close out season one of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast with us other than the woman you are about to meet. Doing this podcast without her voice would not feel complete, as in my mind... She is Bo. The character that I was so fortunate to play and the world that I got to play her in was born from the brilliant mind of this woman. (laughs) Um, I cannot wait to chat with the brilliant Michelle Lavretta. Welcome, Michelle. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I am so excited to see you, first of all. Um, and 
Lost Girl fans listening are so, so fortunate. I think they will know how fortunate they are to meet you. I feel like you live in a tiny fairy house in the forest (laughs) and that you like, you know, fly out with fairy dust around you and you've landed here right now. Is that what happened? It pretty much feels like that. Yes. Yeah. I I am. I am a bit of a hermit. As you know, I avoid crowds and human beings. So, (laughs) but not you. You've done done lots of conventions then. (laughs) Oddly enough. So you and I did a couple at the very beginning and they're always fun, Um, but they're exhausting. So unless it's something that I contractually, (laughs) I tend to not do them, but I honestly, I've missed you and I've missed your beautiful face. And so a chance to sort of just catch up. It's been delightful to me and I couldn't say no. Thank you very much. Okay. So I have some questions for you. Awesome. Um, so I truly have always thought of you as Bo. Um, can you tell Lost Girl fans about Bo's origins, um, how you went about creating this character, and how you went about creating the world of Lost Girl? I know that's a big question, but <laughs> I will give the floor to you. It's very layered. Um, but how did this all start? Well, Lost Girl started in the way all glamorous things do uh, in a mall food court in Toronto. Um, <laughs> the best spot ever. Yeah, like a cliche. Um, so there was a, uh, a lovely woman, a producer I knew named Karen Wucky. Um, and we had worked together on a previous project. I think at the time it might've been, it might've been Prodigy or maybe the company had a different name at the time. I will preface all this by saying, um, my, my brain, um, uh, will not have the perfect recollection of everything. So I will try to remember 15 years later. It, it's um, a long time ago. It is a long time. So I was actually packing up and I was about to leave. I was living in Toronto at the time and I was about to move out of the country and move to the States. And Wookiee said, let's go for coffee. And I said, cool, but it has to be fast. Again, getting on a plane. Um, so we met in the food court and she started telling me that they had uh, a project that they had tried to get going. I don't know too much about it. So I don't know how long it had been, but uh, it, had, it died. They were like, we can't do anything with this, but there's two elements of it that we liked. Um, And one of them was that it was a genre show. um, And the other one was that it had to do with sex. And so she said, could you come up with something original playing with those two elements? So that was like, "Mm, let me think, (laughs) genre and sex. I mean, those were basically, it was really hard at the time to get genre shows made. And the idea of doing anything that dealt with sexuality or queerness way long ago in particular was not something that you ever had the chance to do. So this was an absolute gift to say, you know, go play in that area. So I said, well, shit, I'm in the middle of, you know, life change moving, but um, let's see what I can do. And I went home and I came up with, it was, I'm not currently home right now, but I wish I was because I'd run upstairs and try and find the piece of paper where I, I was like 10 to 12 new concepts, different, different genres. Some was horror some was science fiction. And the one that I loved, but that I thought never in a million years would they pick was yours, which was fantasy and a succubus. Very first time you and I met uh, when you were auditioning, we went into the bathroom and we started talking about how we loved fantasy. And we both loved that one book about fairies and elves when we were kids. I still have that book. Yeah, me too. So, but if you think back all this time ago, fantasy was something that was sort of looked down upon. And, and adult fantasy in particular. So the fact that they were like, yes, do the succubus one. I was like, holy shit. Okay. Um, and started on that sort of journey of being, well, how do we make a bigger world of this? Who are the people? Who are the characters? Um, so that was sort of the first part of how 
the world started. But I think the second and most important part, which I hope you have always given yourself credit for, is just frankly you. Bo could have been a bunch of different things, even regardless of what I put on the page. She could have been somebody that was inaccessible, somebody that was arrogant. Um, you came in, despite all the leather pants that we threw at you, and made her, <laughs> and made her vulnerable. You made her sweet. You made her lovable. And that, I think, is always the alchemy of television and why I've stayed in it versus, you know, trying books or things of that nature because of people like you. You will take something that I create and, and the other, all the other people involved in the show, the directors, et cetera. Um, but you surprise the people who have a certain thing, a template in their head. You give it something more. And therefore, we all get to play together. And, uh, and that has always blown my mind and something I've always been grateful. Uh, that means the world to me, <laughs> really, truly. But it, I mean, it, it was, it was on the page. It was, it, I, I know I've told this story at, at conventions and stuff before. I don't know if you've heard it when I first got the audition, I just saw the, you know, the, the description of a story, which is like, you know, she right. needs sex to survive. Like, I don't remember exactly what it said, but I thought, <laughs> okay, all right. Um, interesting. But then when I read the whole script, because I think I read the whole script before my first audition, which is rare. I can't remember because usually you don't, right? You just mm -hmm. have little bits and pieces. But um, I certainly read it before before the screen test. But it was so like the the last thing I saw on the page was someone who needs sex to survive. She's sexy. Right. She's this, and that's what made it resonate with me so much. Um, and so that's really that really comes down to you. Miss Lavretta, because and the rest of the call trading credits. <laughs> yes, I know exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it was all there. Every character on the page was just there, and it, it was a gift. It was a gift beyond a gift. Um, you touched a little bit on this already, but what were the the specific challenges in season one of getting the show made in terms of the content? I know you, you mentioned that genre was, was hard as particularly yeah. fantasy, but what about like the sexual content, all of those kinds of things? Were there any, I mean, I, I know that there were specific challenges to getting sure. it made, but what was that like? Well, there were a couple different challenges. So the first one was, um, how would I best describe it? Not structural, but Television goes in waves and the way television is made, the way it is bought and sold um, goes through variations that people who absorb television, watch television and are on the outside of television aren't usually cognizant of. Um, one of them is that there was a period of time where shooting a pilot was a cool thing to do, even in Canada when we had no money. Yeah. Um, so it was a brief window. Um, and there also at one time in the States um, had been a particular thing where people wanted what was called... Um, Oh shit! What the hell? What the? It's not the premise pilot. It's the um, concept, sample, like a sample episode. Okay. So it was basically an episode somewhere in the season. Right. So we had a very strange scenario where, uh, so came up with the concept, you know, uh, sold it to the network, pitched it to them. They all loved it, but we thought it was just going to be a pilot, which is already amazing because I'm like, okay, great, uh, we'll shoot it. That'll be fun. But they, they said but make it um, a sample episode of the season. Now, I wanted this to be serialized. I, on a, I wanted the episodic elements as well. I like the idea of investigation or something that, you know, uh, which is how you became a PI. Um, those things are fun, but it, because I was so intent upon using the series to sort of explore uh, sexuality and relationships 
chiefly from a female and queer lens, um, I wanted to make sure that that was sort of the, what you were coming for. You know what I mean? If you were just dropping yeah. in, you'd get the investigation, but you were building this real world with real people, with real emotions. Um, so when someone says, just pick a random spot in the season of a season you've never broken because you've never even written the first episode, that's a little challenging. So what I knew um, at that point, I wasn't even sure if I was going to say it because I was living in a different country. Um, so I was a little worried that this would not come out as feminist, that this would potentially end up in the hands of somebody, director or some otherwise, uh, that did what you were talking about, which is she's a sexy lady doing sexy she's, things. Yeah, exactly. No? And, and I was like, shit. So I wanted to make sure that when I wrote the episode that we played the Lauren dynamic as the one that had the heart in it. Because a lot of times what you were watching at the time was uh, certainly on network television. When they would have sweeps week, the girl would kiss the girl. Right. And it was a stunt. And that's all it was. And the intent of the series was to very specifically push it away from it. And I wanted the people buying it to buy in immediately. So I came up with what became episode eight, which is start with the hot sex, but that's with the guy. And then switch to showing that your emotion, the fact that you felt so deeply betrayed by her, the one that you were falling in love with at that stage was Lauren. So I yes. felt like that would establish some things. But when I did that, I didn't know we were going to shoot it. So when I got the call and they're like, oh, we ordered the series. I was like, oh, okay, awesome. The series is going. And they're like, and we're going to shoot that one as the, uh, and we're going to shoot a pilot. But I thought they were going to like pay for me to like write episode one. And the other one would be just kind of like a, and instead they shot eight. That was the very first thing yeah. you ever shot. Yeah, totally. Um, and so what that did creatively was two things. One, at that point, we were hoping to make the show a bit darker. And I'll tell you why in a minute. So you can, t you can tell it's a bit different, just slightly. Um, and the other is that because the pilot was so good, you did such an amazing job, the director did an amazing job. Um, they ordered the series and suddenly I had to figure out everything that happens in order for that episode eight to make sense. And at one point they thought that was going to be episode three. And I'm like, I can't get her together with, with <laughs> one and then the other and then break them up. So it became like this really weird when we got the room together, this thing of trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together. Um, but that, that was one of the challenges. And then I would say one of the wonderful things about making this show with the people I made it with and in the country that I, uh, I made it in is that we didn't actually have any problems with uh, it being gay, with it being uh, female focused, or with it being sexy, isn't that and amazing? Amazing, like it's amazing. absolutely amazing, and and not something I anticipated. Um, I thought I was going to have to, you know, get my dukes out and have a whole bunch of fights. Yeah, I feel like we like it. We, we kind of it fell into this period of time with all the right elements that we were kind of protected a little bit. Yeah. Like we had we had support and a little room. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it was just, we were so lucky, uh, for all of those elements to come together. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it really kind of changed, you know, you never really know, um, when you're blessed with a scenario, you start to think that that's the way things are and then yeah. sort of go out in the world and become less naive and, and start realizing that, as you say, it was just this lucky little bubble that we had. Things are better now, yeah. but there was, you know, a period of time yeah. where. If it hadn't been made in Canada, I don't know that it would have been made. That's my I, I agree. I agree too. Yeah. Um, what are some of your best memories of working on the show? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I'm a big fan of writers. <laughs> I just think we're just, we're delightful, dorky people. Um, so I really loved the experience of being in, in the room. We had a great mm-hmm. room, um, Pete and Jeremy and Em, and um, just all of us being around getting to be goofy. Um, and then the other part of that is that once we actually got to production and, and we had, as a cast, you were all just really accessible, which was lovely. You know, I remember you guys would sometimes come in and just sit on the, um, on the couch and watch some yeah. stuff. And, I, yes. Yeah. We've talked about it. We've talked yeah. about it on the podcast because we, we remember that too. Yeah. And it just, um, I loved Vanessa, like just having Vanessa yeah. Piazza on there. Um, she's, and she was, I believe run of show. So she was always sort of watching out those of us that would come and go, I, I think I fully left by episode three and it's a little early season three. Um, <laughs> I tried staying as long as I could, but I was not in the country at that time. So yes. um, having Vanessa kind of be the person that was the thread throughout as well. Um, working yeah. with Jay, that's great. Uh, so yeah, it was, I think we all knew without arrogance behind it at all, just with the gratitude. I think we knew we were making something special for a select group of people that don't often get told how special they are. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I, you know, um, one of the things I was going to ask too, is like, did you know, did you know the impact of what the show would have? And I get asked that question a lot too. And exactly what you just said is kind of what I say too. It's like, we, did we know it would have impact? Well, no, of course not. But we knew that we had this lightning in a bottle moment. um, And we knew that what we were doing mattered. Did yeah. we know it would get out there the way it did? I don't, I don't know about that, but that, yeah, that's certainly agree. how I felt about it. Yeah. I would agree. I think that the, uh, when you make something, um, especially because when you're with a good group of people, it's just like going to camp. It you is. Know? So we're all like, hey guys, let's put on a show. Um, so you don't necessarily predict, uh, and I think it would be foolhardy and, and arrogant to predict whether something will have staying power. Yeah. But all the things, I mean, it's, it's my baby. So all the stuff that I put in there were things that were important to me as a person, as a woman. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I was most grateful for. And I don't think that necessarily, (laughs) this is fun shit about being, you know, occasionally putting subversive shit in. Um, not every partner fully picks up what you're doing. They won't always understand. For instance, I had a fair amount of pressure from, and it was well-meaning pressure. It wasn't, it wasn't people being shitty at all, but from often, often directors, maybe some other elements as well, where they would try to put sexuality between you and Kenzie. And I was like, no. And they didn't understand why. And I was like, I had to go on these things where I was explaining bisexuality and the dangers of, of sort of portraying somebody who is um, omnivorously sexual in the sense of every single person that they encounter, which was sort of a, a very negative, um, stereotype that was put into a lot of media at the time. Um, I wanted to make clear that Bo can have and value platonic relationships, mm-hmm. you know, that, that who she is attracted to is not because of, um, first of all, everybody's orientation doesn't define how they interact with the world or with other people. That's, you have your own version of who you are. Um, so anything, anytime I see something over and over in media that shows one particular thing, even if it's just, you know, straight girls or straight men or whatever it is, I think we all have to look at that and say, that's, why are we doing that? Why are we sending that specific message? So for this one, I, it was very important for me early on. Um, it was also important early on that 
um, that we had fun cheesecake, that everybody got to be sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, that it wasn't all about, well, let's just show the sexy women. We could also show the sexy men. Um, yeah, you know, so just, just those things early on that I wanted to bake in to make sure that, um, and you can't control the messaging certainly after you've left. Um, but just to try and put some of those DNA things into the series. Yeah. Well, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Um, you know, the, the, the Kenzie bow relationship was always what resonated with people so much is, was the sister aspect of it. You know, like that's really, that was the impact of that friendship. It was such a true, honest friendship. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Michelle, I feel like, I mean, I've been to probably more conventions than you have uh, yes. at this point. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have got to meet people up close and personal. I consider it a place of great honor to, to listen to people. People come from all over the world to wait in a line to have a minute and a half to tell me their story. Yeah. I really, really try to hold that space for them because I know how much, oh no, here comes the tears again, you guys. I know how much this character mattered to so many people. And so to end this spotlight, I feel like myself as well, oh, as well as the fans of Lost Girl and of specifically of Bo, I, I hope that you know the impact of this show and specifically of this character. I hope you know the legacy that you've created and left for people. I hope that you know my deepest love and gratitude for trusting me with this role. Whew. And I hope that the world gets to keep hearing your voice as it is needed and held in such high regard for all who are lucky enough to feel it. Michelle Avretta. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of my life. Thank you for being part of the, the very end of season one of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast, because it wouldn't have been the same without you at all. Uh, my deepest respect and love and gratitude. And I love you. I, I am grateful to you. I know everyone listening is too. It mattered so much to people. And um, I'm so honored to, to stand beside you. Um, with this character. Anyway, before I cry my head off, <laughs> thank you for being here, really, truly. Thank you. And I don't know how best to say it, but because I am a private person, I haven't put out a lot of messaging to the world about what the show meant to me. There are a lot of reasons that it was a deeply personal show, um, multiple reasons. Um, and I want to thank not just everybody who was part of making the show, but no show exists in a volume. And if the people who love and support the fans of the show, um, if, if they didn't keep this going, it wouldn't have the impact that it has. So that's also my thanks to you, the cast, to Emily, to everybody who does the things I just personally cannot do. I can't, I can't do all the crowds. I can't do all that stuff. It's just, it's just not, it's not, not much chili. Um, <laughs> but I love that everybody does. 
and and a thank you to everybody who finds the time in their day in their calendar to go to the cons to show love to the world um, of our show and uh, I hope they can feel in every element of the show how much they are loved back in return. Thank you so much, Michelle. And on that beautiful note, thank you everybody for listening to the finale of season one of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. We will be bringing you more. Oh my God, I don't know if I can handle it, but we will be bringing you more. Um, We wish you the very best. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast, which is produced by Anna Silk, Rachel Scarston, and Seth Cooperman, with theme music by our very own Blood King, Rick Howland. Please rate, review, and share the Lost Girl Rewatch podcast. This enables us to grow and to continue bringing you exciting new content every week. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram and on our YouTube channel at Lost Girl Rewatch. You can also subscribe to Patreon for exclusive bonus episodes made just for you and get early access to all of our episodes. Okay. Zoe, we are yes. going to play a very quick game. Are you ready to play with me? Never been more ready. Okay. I'm putting the same urgency that was in episode 13. Yeah. We're going to put into this game because okay. there's going to be a 30-second timer on the clock. Oh, God. I am going to read lines from season one of Lost Girl, and you have to tell me which character said them. Oh, dear God. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. And Go. What can I say? For me, sexual he- healing is a literal thing. You. Yes. You. Uh, well, you better be careful because wolves make mate for life. Kenzie. <laughs> Dyson. Oh, I thought she was talking about Dyson. <laughs> Holy shitballs. That was awesome. Kenzie. Less Gaelic wisdom. More looking for makeshift shit. <laughs> I can't talk. Makeshift surgical tools. Kenzie. No, that was you. Me? Yes. Um, You can stay with me tonight. You need more healing than Lauren's little needles can give you. Oh, that's got to be Dyson. I'm the insatiably curious human doctor. That's Lauren. Uh, And and we went 53 seconds. (laughs) We did it. We did it. We did it. I don't know what we did. But yeah. we did it. I only didn't game. know my own line, but yes. otherwise I did okay. <laughs> you did okay. Actually, there's one more line. Who said this? Dude, I have sung my way into a lot of women's pants over the years, but I promise you, this was the most profound night of my life. Kenzie? Yeah. Oh. He was the siren. What did he say? I've sung, I've sung my, my way. way. I think I read all these lines very badly. <laughs> I got so excited. Um, I couldn't yep. read them properly. So I, I, I take I nailed responsibility. It. But I think you nailed it. And um, I think we rock. Let's we just, do. You rock. You rock. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.